City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Uh, Meg just made a very rude comment. Um, that if, if she's here later than me, it's in, just left it at that dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> and she just burst in the door. But anyway, she's depressing buttons for us, and uh, Meg Kimber is over there. Good morning. Eugenia Zubchenko is over there. Hello. I'm Kevin Healy over here. And at City Limits, it's the second Wednesday of the month. Today we do sort of environment issues and energy issues, etc. And as promised last week, we're, we're going to look at um, Stony Creek and the damage to it by that fire a number of weeks ago. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, I've mentioned a couple of times, I went down and had a look at it, and it is quite devastating. So we're going to talk to a bloke from Friends of Stony Creek this morning, and also another bloke from a group called the um, Something Park. I'll better look up my thing, shouldn't I? Um, but um, it's, a, it's a group called, says he, Finding the Bit of Paper. They're called the oh, Crookshank. I just came to me without looking at it. Crookshank, mm. Friends of Crookshank Park, and that, it actually is along the creek as well. Mm. Um, so we'll. Um, did you see? Because you went on, damage. you went on a tour, didn't you? So did you see? Well, a friend took me around who's concerned about marine issues, etc., and knows all about them. Oh, so it wasn't like a a, a group tour. No, there were three oh. of us on the day, but okay. we we, we <laughs> so walked up from we walked up from Yarrabil <laughs> Station, a group of three, and we uh, <laughs> spent about three hours looking at the damage and. Uh, and, and walked right around to under the bridge because mm. it, it flows into the Yarra there and uh, mm. then from there, of course, it flows into the bay. So all that pollution mm. is heating up. Mm. And, yeah. So we'll we'll look at that today. That now, would be I think good. I've just disrupted everything here. <laughs> <laughs> Spectacular piece of mm. disruption. <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> no, no, we're back, almost back in order. Uh, I'll pour some tea. You want some tea, anyone? Oh, yes, we all please. Want tea, don't we? Tea, mm-hmm. okay, love. This is um, this is just not just, but it's it's just it's Chinese jasmine today. Just straight mm. jasmine. Yeah. Something different every week, isn't it? Well, yeah, we do the rounds a bit, but we can anyway, make a big cup. Thank you. There we are. We get we get identical cups. Oh, um, so cute. Coconut. Just thought I'd mention at the start. I suppose we'd do the Herald Sun first, didn't we? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'll go. Yes, I'll please. put them down here a bit further. Look, the Herald Sun. Um, it suddenly has decided. Uh, obviously, the big danger um, to the in this election is the Greens. Uh, oh, and, uh, and, yeah. and what? Yeah. The Australian had a story about that as well. Yeah, that yeah, that's right. They, they, the series of stories this week on Saturday morning. Uh, this is this is a shocking story, actually. I mean, this this is worth reporting because it is. This is just such showing such sacrilege toward a great and holy and sacred season. <laughs> um, this is the, the opening headline gives you the idea. A Greens dominated inner city council. Okay, a, a Greens dominated inner city council oh is God. under fire. It doesn't say who from, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> from but, them, I think. But we do get to that. Is okay. under fire for hosting a secular festive season event featuring people singing carols against coal. Oh. oh. What would I mean, baby how, Jesus say about that? How low? Oh, 
hell. Yeah. Jesus made coal. He loves it? coal. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The Harmony for Humanity Choir. What a terrible name. I mean, it's just the opposite, they obviously. They sound awful. Yeah. We'll sing classic Christmas carols reworked with activist lyrics and titles like oh. We Wish You a Coal-Free Future and, oh. Oh, and Oh Come All Ye Miners. That sounds like a great event. Can we get them on the show? Yeah. <laughs> we should do a Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could broadcast the concert. Durham and Council will hold carols in all in all nations in Northcote on December 8 with the free secular event starting with an Indigenous welcome to country. I mean, it, it gets of worse. All things. It just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? Oh, oh, my God. A council information sheet says, etc., etc., and has warned Father Christmas won't appear. It's a very busy time of, for him at this time of year, etc., they said. Um, residents preferring a religious event have been told to head to the Presbyterian churches, carols, etc., etc. But then we suddenly find from whom they came under fire. Oh. Gideon Rosner, Policy Director at the Institute of Public Affairs, one, oh. of, one of the most respectable and reputable bodies in this one country. One of your favourites. <laughs> one of the Groups. premier religious bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Said it was miserable to suck the fun out of a Christmas event. Imagine Gideon and me having fun at the office Christmas party, of course. I imagine there's a lot um, of fun to be had at the Presbyterian right. Church. <laughs> that's right. The so-called Harmony for Humanity Choir is like the Grinch that stole Christmas and then replaced it with Grinch-worthy propaganda, he said. Oh, oh it's propaganda. so Grinchy to wish for a, a yes. future for the planet, isn't it? <laughs> so that's to be that. inclusive for of your all people. Children and grandchildren to yeah, live somewhere that they can breathe. So the Greens are the villain this week. And then they've got a photo on Saturday also of Johnny Howard with a laughing Matthew Guy looking so happy and some young women in the background who think it must be wonderful to be with John Howard and Matthew Guy, apparently. <laughs> and um, John Howard strode into Melbourne, etc. But anyway, John said... The Greens are the true extremists of Australian politics. Oh, oh, but that they were. <laughs> and that, and uh, that's what worries me about the possibility of having a Green Labor government because in the end the extremists in those alliances always have their way, he said. Well, that was true of his government, so mm. that's so. The co- that coalition. The yes, yes. National the, Liberal Coalition. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got the wreath of industrial laws. Mm-hmm. We got the tamper. We got all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the warning came after the Herald Sun revealed a Labor candidate in Mr Guy's seat of bullying twice ran for the Greens and in 2010 had attacked ALP projects such as the North East Link. Oh. He also took aim at Premier Andrews over his secret, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But anyway, on it goes. So there you are, the Greens again. Did you, did you guys read this morning about the new inquiry into um, uh, free speech on university campuses? No. So oh, apparently... No. Um, some leftist groups in Sydney have been disrupting liberal events huh. on campus, and as a result of that, they're um, yeah, they're, they've commissioned this inquiry into free speech on right. on campus right. and how much right. of it do we actually right. want to have? Mm. <laughs> what type? Yes. Yeah, and it was again, yeah, using the same sort of language about leftists, radical activists, mm. oh, Andrew disrupting God. our nation. What's his name? Bolt through the head will give us through it. Give us that one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean that. Okay, it was an ongoing debate. That I mean, if if a fascist speaking at uni and you go and disrupt it, is that disrupting disrupting free well, speech that's or not? Right. I mean, that's right. It was they were disrupting the, a woman yeah, who was talking yeah. about um, sexual violence on campus being a, a feminist myth. Oh myth! Mm. Oh god! Yeah. Hit so and myth, so to speak. Oh, it's no. awful, isn't it? Um, now this one is like the 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 if the. See if the, think the Herald Sun supports this bloke when you hear the first paragraph. 
a foul-mouthed Greens candidate vying for state parliament. What do you think? <laughs> I think did he fit right in. <laughs> did, he, did he say, no. like, did he try to sing some Christmas carols about no, Cole? No, no, he, sang, he, sing some, he sang some ordinary stuff, was the lead vocalist in an offensive rap crew whose lyrics rep- reference great uh, rape, domestic oh. violence and drug dealing. In fact, if you listen to the words, they are bad. And yesterday he did apologise, saying he's a changed man. And he, What rap yeah. crew is he in? Oh, at, um, broken Aesthetics. Okay whose songs ref- regularly reference bitches and include a number of homophobic stories. Oh, they, they, mm. The quotes they give are, presuming they're not out, not totally out of context, are bad. And the bloke did apologise and said that he, you know, he, he now <coughs> recognises it was all pretty terrible. So, oh. <laughs> But, you know, again, it's just getting stuck into the Greens. If, if it had been a Liberal candidate, it wouldn't have got a run. Yeah, imagine how much oh. dirt you could dig up on... The backgrounds yeah. of the yeah. Liberal candidates. All of their rapping is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Very bad. All they <laughs> Even if they try to tie it up and make it look good. Um, a a well. two-time, this is front page now, a two-time Greens candidate who once slammed Labor for being fake and scandalous will run for the ALP. So, again, they're picking up on, you know, it's just, this is just mm. all in a week. Mm. Um, it's it's quite um, encouraging, really, because it means that the Greens are getting a bit more power, potentially, yeah. right? Yeah, but also lots of people read these papers, like as in everything, you know. Mm. You know, like since it's all the same couple of people doing all the news papers, yeah, you know, like and then people read it and then eventually you can't even, unless you're very, very aware of not taking everything, you know, really yeah. seriously, then the choice of news, you can just start to be like, I think the Greens are. Maybe maybe they're something. I haven't heard anything good about them. You know, you if you just if that's yeah. all you read, you wouldn't. Honestly. I'm in a state of shock mm. over here. A state of shock. <laughs> I hope there wasn't an inference in there, which I suspect there was, that you don't absolutely believe everything in the Herald Sun. <laughs> you know what? Or take, or take it seriously. I'm starting to wonder. I'm really starting to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, there's also an ad at the weekend. I love this ad. Get back in control of the cost of living with Matthew smiling at us. I mean, you'd have to vote for him. Oh wouldn't my you? God! Yeah, I just oh, held yeah, it up for us. He's really on the side of the working. Now man, he's got all he? these lists, but. The the last one is, and this is one I thought we could, we could refer to next week because it's our housing day next week. The last point is housing by fast-tracking the opening of an extra 290,000 blocks of land to make home ownership more affordable. Right? Oh, no. What that, what that, I mean, the, what's obvious there is, one, he wants to extend the green belt into you know, housing into green belts. No, two, that no. somehow home ownership and, and developers, the developers whole line, make more mm. land available to us, it's going to be cheaper, etc. And again, it's just this fallacy that we've heard so many times that living on the fringes of Melbourne is more affordable, which is just not true That's by right. the time you take into account all, all the, the other variables. Yeah, yeah. Anything else on top of it? But also, <laughs> there's absolutely no mention of public housing in there, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, Talk about affordability. That's right, if, yeah. if, if housing got cheaper if you built more houses... It would be super cheap, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By that logic. Because well, they're all complaining now because prices are going down. So they say, you know, we want, a, we want exactly. affordable housing, but for the yeah. market, the market, when the market goes down, they scream that it's affecting the economy. So exactly. Which way do they want it? I don't know. I can't follow yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We, we just don't understand these things, do we? I was, it's um, complicated. I have some infi- insider information. I was at the pub with a developer friend the other day. Ooh. And he was saying, I know, fraternising with the Hang enemy. on, developer <laughs> friend. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but they are human beings also. Um, uh, and yeah, unlike he was, coppers. He was explaining to me how the um, all the new uh, legislation that's been brought in not too long ago to make housing more affordable by decreasing the amount of foreign investment that's allowed um, has left a massive hole in the state government's budget. budget. Yeah, well, does anyone remember the figure? It was like billions of dollars. Oh, no. So there's a bit of a concern that they're going to 
put that back in. Flip it back over, yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Also, of course, they've they've privatised the uh, registry office anyway, the the lands office. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, here's an interesting ad. I thought this was all the same day as the one with Matthew there smiling at us. Labor's crime wave across the top. You know, this, this thing we keep pointing out that crime is actually decreasing. But anyway, yeah. Matthew's running it. And now this is running it. Matthew's crime wave, not full spot. Happy, full spot. Dan, full spot. Oh. Not happy, Dan. Oh. This election put Labor last. Not happy, Dan, dot net, dot au. And who, who inserted the ad? A Labor's crime wave against crime? The Shooting Industry Foundation of Australia. Oh, my God. <laughs> shoot, wow. all, shoot all the crooks, that's what I say. Yeah, oh, there are changes shooting in... industry. I mean, the, I, the, apparently the shooters industry of, of Australia are taking a lot of notes from the NRA in America. I've oh, read gosh. somewhere recently no, they, that, they that would be, yeah. yeah, that yeah. they're like, oh, why to to yeah to strongly um, change the kind of gun rules laws. in Victoria? Yeah. So I'm not familiar ownership. with them. Are they are they for you know personal for having personal weapons or do they want to? I have no idea. I didn't, hadn't even heard of them until mm. recently, until this election, and then and then I was like, why are they so much more visible? Vocal, yeah. yeah. Do you know about them, Kevin? What are they all about? Not really. I mean, we know there's the Shooters Party. They're actually they've actually got a seat in the upper house here in Victoria. The oh, no way. Hunters and Shooters, really call themselves. But um, and they're probably you know, probably an affiliate of the same mob. But this particular mob, they've just they've emerged. I don't know more, but they're they're obviously some. Well, they might make out they're a national body. I've got no idea, but they're uh, mm. they've got some money to run half page ads in the mm-hmm. paper. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Now, and there'd be lobbying power behind that too. Yeah. yeah. Now, on the election campaign, again, just to finish up with the Herald Sun, they ran a piece last Wednesday, um, a think piece on their opinion page by an independent observer commenting on the election. And he said, I could not believe it watching coverage of the ALP's campaign launch or of ALP protesters in red shirts trying to disrupt the Liberal Party's launch on the same day. The same red shirts worn four years ago when many of those had been employed by the ALP using $388,000 they had fraudulently taken from the people of Victoria. Along goes the article. Wow, that's a bit of a leap. (laughs) And down the the bottom he says... um, um, but uh, it is often uh, said that we get the governments we deserve. None of us deserve to be defrauded, <laughs> to be taken for granted. Uh, Hang on, we get the governments we deserve? Yeah, we... Sounds we, a bit blamey, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. We've got no bloody choice. We get one or the other. Um, and that's what... You know, we don't deserve either. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he finishes up saying, think carefully, vote decisively, vote against the fraud by your elected officials. And who was this independent observer? None other than Jeff Kennett. Oh. <laughs> yes, Jeff uh, gave us a... Well, in the last state election, they used Jeff, in fact... Um, Jeff was used by them every day to assess both parties' policies and assess which one was the better. And at the end of it all, he gave us an assessment on the Friday before the election of looking at both parties' policies independently, which one he thought we should vote for, and it's hard to believe, but he did say we should vote for the Liberal Party. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good that he was able to be so... Impartial. impartial. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that well, the Herald Sun said choice. he was doing it impartially. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Put, put his impartial hat on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
That story we talked about last week where the driverless trains across the Pilbara but the one that wasn't meant to be driverless and took mm. off. Mm. Um, it's interesting, you know, it looked, sounded like the driver might have just got out and not put the handbrake on or something, you know, if I don't know if it's handbrake on trains or not, but whatever. Um, but it now seems it might have been deeper than that because BHP aren't really commenting except to say... Um, a source in their iron ore operation in Western Australia said one theory was that a maintenance crew called out to help the driver with the train went to the wrong site. And it's also, oh. um, there's also suggestions maintenance bungles are to blame all along the line. Another is that scheduled maintenance work on a known braking system fault with one of the locomotives involved was carried out on the wrong locomotive. Oh, my so gosh. It, so also, we'll get the truth eventually, but it now sounds like it could have been just the old maintenance problem. So there was actually something wrong with the train. It wasn't just that the driver got out. Because it seems no. pretty it incredible error, yeah. to me that you could get out of a train and it would go yes. off. Well, like, wasn't, wasn't John McPherson saying that usually those kind of trains have a like a secondary system that will automatically yeah. stop it for you? So there yeah. must have been something yeah. wrong. And mm. drivers probably have to get out. I mean, he got, he got out, like, the story is he got out to actually fix something in a wagon or something. So, uh, so you okay. know, he's got to be able to stop and fix something, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, try, I mean, trains sit in yards all day with no driver and no one on them. Waiting. Exactly. So, <laughs> They're not all, like, rolling around <laughs> no, the country. And they just take off people. Yeah. No, oh, like there's no one on them. Of... Here I go. I'm out of here. A bunch of marbles <laughs> in a train just <laughs> jostling against each other. <laughs> no. Now, on um, just on a couple of industrial things, um, you'll be pleased to know Fudora has been alleged to have underpaid workers by $7.5 million. Yeah. Um, and I was just listening about this on Stick Together just before us. Oh, were they? Did yeah. Did they have that? I won't had a bit of a, Yeah, debrief. Yeah, okay, I, I won't repeat it. No, then, well, they, you know, they, someone might not have heard. Well, they, they well, they, they left Australia. They said they weren't making it up here. They, they've left Australia and gone back to Germany, which is the home base. I thought really? they went into receivership. Uh, no, well, well, they sort of have now because they've oh. left all these debts behind. Oh, right, right, right. But they, you know, they, but they're actually this year, and in fact, the the um, administrator made the point that they've put up three, they've offered three million to settle all their debts, which is nowhere near the total because mm-hmm. everyone else they owe, including the tax departments and state tax departments, state etc. Mm. Um, he criticised them and um, and said. The, I'm sorry, this was the union saying this. In fact, the union said that $3 million was absolutely hopeless mm. uh, and their revenue forecasts globally are $1.2 billion at the moment. So oh, you know, They can got, afford to pay. They've their, got the money. They've yeah. got the money. But they so took are, they, are off, they in many countries, not just Australia and Germany? Well, they're all over the place. Yeah, apparently. Apparently, I mean, they're all around the world, I think. But they left Australia because it wasn't profitable enough, I suspect. Well, they might have, these debts might have been pouting and didn't want to pay them. Mm. Uh, but they, yeah, they probably their, knew. <laughs> their directors were... Um, None of his directors except a young woman, a 23-year-old accountant called Lisa Bushnell, was actually resident in Australia. So they can't wow. get, you can't get at their directors even to get money out of them. Mm. And she's now gone to Germany. Mm. Um, Whoa. Three of the directors were never registered anyway um, with um, the authority ASIC. Uh, so they owe all this money. And, but what, the significant thing rising out of it is probably the point that um, Stick Together made mm. uh, is that the administrators said clearly um, the riders should have been full-time workers. Um, or at least like recognised as casual staff instaff instead of independent contractors. contractors well, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah. as staff. Mm. They, they, 
the uh, instead of um, underpaying the employees, so they underpaid them by seven point five billion. Mm. Um, they and released. Is, is that, do you know if that's through salary or is that through kind of benefits? It's both like salary and um, and other entitlements. They should have got like superannuation payments mm. and all those things. So it's the whole whole box and dice. Yeah. Um, they said expert and accounting advice had acknowledged Pedora engaged its five thousand riders on sham contracts. Um, wow. They also said the amount claimed is this has been paid as part-time and full-time, etc. The Australian Taxation Office has calculated Fedora owes workers $2.14 million in superannuation payments. Um, and it... Um, Days after, actually, this is why interesting why it left. Um, it announced its exit from Australia in August after its parent company, Delivery Hero, said it wanted to focus on more profitable markets. Days later, the Australian Tax Office notified the company that it had determined its riders were employees, not contractors, mm. and that it owed millions in dollars of dollars in uh, payment, pay as you go, and taxation. So, days before it saw the coming, obviously, uh, um, maybe it, they had it, a tip off. It, it, it got out of the country. Mm. Yeah. That's terrible. It reminds me of things like mining companies and um, like property developers who create a new company for a particular project and then as soon as it's time to mm-hmm. remediate a landscape right. or clean up after themselves, suddenly yeah. the company's disappeared and everyone who's yeah. registered under it is overseas somewhere. All these Phoenix yeah. companies, yeah. I mean, yeah. And they try. They keep saying they're going to bring in laws, but I mean, it's somehow, and it seems to me it's amazing that it's lawful if, say, a worker gets injured, gets, pay, gets awarded payments... Uh, they suddenly close down and can't pay the worker. Mm. Yet they can mm. open up in the same building with the same directors next day under a different name. I mean, it's just, mm. you know, it's outrageous. It's shocking, yeah. But it happens all the time. It's probably not competitive for them because of other companies like Uber and Uber Eats and things, which I don't yeah. understand how they keep running, you know, with these kind of mm. economies. And, and people use Uber and, and Uber Eats and stuff. And um, it seems to me that it works on exploitation, of, pe- of the most vulnerable people who are like, mm. I can't find work anywhere else and are trying to. Maybe that's not quite correct. I don't know the subtleties of it. But um, if you're in a position like as a Fedora driver and you're not getting your super paid, that's just straight up against the law to not have your super paid. So right. if, you're that, if you're that desperate that you're like, well, I'm going to keep doing this because I just need to get this money in and then other companies function that way, and then they function because people use them. So, yeah. so why doesn't anyone yeah. sort of like? That's right. So people that? using them are helping the exploitation of those workers. I, I feel. Guess. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Absolutely. Now, our old mate Graham Watson mentioned, mentioned him a few weeks ago. He's the ex commissioner, fair work commissioner, who um, who uh, found, he actually appeared for um, he actually appeared for Patrick's during the water, well, waterfront dispute when he was working for Freehills. But he then became an independent commissioner who independently found for the employers all the time, and um, and he left there because he said it was too biased toward the workers about a oh, year or yep. two ago. But I think it was while you were away, Eugenia. But he he's been appointed um, advisor, senior advisor to um, Kelly Odawire, who's now the industrial relations minister, and some of the things she's coming out with reflect his being there. Um, but I've got to feel sorry for poor Graham. He he argued. That um, because he was a judge of the um, of the Fair Work Commission, he should be treated exactly the same as a federal court judge who apparently um, can have certain amounts of superannuation without having to pay tax on it, etc. <laughs> mm. Anyway, last week he lost the case. He's lost the case. Oh, <laughs> poor yeah, thing. He's got to he's got to fork out thirty grand. Oh, um, fifteen fifteen six for twenty fourteen and fifteen thousand for twenty fifteen. 
What, yeah. Who so does he have to pay that to? The tax department. I mean, <laughs> I mean for God's he's, sake. I mean, he, look, he is interested in fair work. He's interested that's in right. his own fair work. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> anyway, that's poor old Graham at the moment. So maybe a, maybe a little, you know, put the hat around a bit or something or yeah. a special little radio thing. <laughs> maybe, you know, yeah. one of those online, like, <laughs> what is it called? Possible campaign or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Graham, that's it. So we'll, we'll leave it at that because we're going to go to our first guest who is um, who is Steve Wilson, who's from the um, Friends of Stony Creek. Brainwaves. The world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Programme. Featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. For 10 days in November, Defend and Extend's public housing will be campaigning on the steps of Parliament House to make public housing an election issue. Public housing, everybody's business. Join us anytime. From Wednesday the 14th of November, that's midday the 14th of November, to Saturday midnight the 24th of November and put the spotlight on public housing this Victorian state election. Use Victoria's stamp duty revenue approximately $6 billion plus per year for public housing. House 1 million Victorians by 2029. Public housing... Everybody's business. Join us. Bring tea, bring coffee, bring cakes, bring food, bring your musical instruments, and most importantly of all, bring yourself and your sleeping bag. Yes, I went to that public housing rally last Friday, by the way. It was. Uh... Quite okay. I know he's online. Yeah, right. I just, just thought I'd mention that. Um, just that, just that, checking you know you're on air. Well, that little, that little promo reminded me of it. But uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Steve Wilson's on the line. Steve's from Friends of Stony Creek. And Steve, as I mentioned to you, I went down a couple of weeks ago and had a look at the damage and it was quite devastating. Can you, just to kick off, can you give us a brief um, resume of, or a brief description of how you see the, the damage and what can be done? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh as you, as you saw, it was actually pretty horrendous. Uh, the spill basically killed off all life in the creek. Uh, Look, I'm sorry, maybe we should backtrack this. People, people yep. might, I think anyone in Melbourne does know, but there yep. was a terrible fire, a, fact, a warehouse with who knows what in it, mm. uh, went up in flames. It was burning for two or three days yep. and everything. The water, of course, from the fire fighters uh, all went straight into Stony mm, Creek, right, which yep. runs into the Yarra, just pretty close to Westgate Bridge. Um, so that's the background to what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean they had to put so much water on that fire, it just uh, overwhelmed any any protection they had. So it all flowed into the creek, and they, all the chemicals from the fire went into the creek. Mm. So there was a lot of uh, diesel, a lot of uh, industrial solvents, and that was a pretty uh, rough uh, cocktail mixture of chemicals. So that, that killed all the life in the creek. It killed uh, all the insect life, killed the eels, fish, uh, everything. The creek is basically lifeless at the moment. Uh, there was, there's actually some frogs still around the area because they, they were actually uh, in the banks away from the creek. So, mm. But I've only heard a couple of frogs since we did a frog survey. So uh, I think they've been killed off now, actually. And the, and the residents were reporting some, some side effects as well, weren't they? 
Sorry, say again. Um, I was just saying that the were did the human residents of the neighbourhood report any yeah, side effects from yeah, the fire as well? Were, there were uh, reports of headaches and dizziness, and uh, a few other people got some rather extreme uh, conditions. Uh, you know, short, shortness of breath, headaches. Uh, it's just the, the chemical that came off, and uh, it, it lingered, it's still lingering now because. Uh, Unfortunately, they haven't cleaned up around the top end of the creek, so when we get these uh, rain events, which are coming, mm. that's been washed down the, mm. down in the creek again, so it's renewing that, that chemical cocktail that's coming out. So the, the uh, aerosols have been released, and you know that's what people are smelling. Mm. That's, so, a, that's a devastating outcome, Steve, mm, that, that all the life yeah. in the creek is yeah, yeah, is, has been killed. That's I, awful. That's right. I haven't seen anything like it since 2003 when we had a, a latex spill which killed did the same thing, but that was more temporary. But that, that took years to recover. Right. And so as as a mem- member of Friends of mm. Stony Creek, you, you've you been looking after the creek yeah, for yeah. some time. So you've That's seen right. it recover from that. And, and so what was yeah. it like before the fire? Uh, actually, the water was in uh, good nick. We've been doing water testing down there. Mm. So uh, there was some concern about some of the phosphate levels. Uh, we haven't been able, been able to chase that, but uh, the oxygen was fine. Uh, mm. The salt content was fine. Uh, you know, you could see. I mean, Stony Creek is not the is that maximum. Was it isn't that maximum health at the time? But mm-hmm. uh, it was in pretty good nick. So, and you know, we, we we were thinking down the track we would actually be able to the creek would actually come to a prime condition where you get all sorts of you know not mm-hmm. just the mid range of insect life, but the uh, the, light, the highest scale of vertebrates and insect life. So now we're back to square one as far as that goes, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. but uh, our Melbourne Water at the moment have done some clean up in Crookshank Park. That's the that's the main uh, park used by people in the area. But they haven't. They've been testing up the top end around the fire area, mm-hmm. but they haven't actually cleaned there yet. So that's that's a concern for a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of local residents and the group. Itself, yeah. so we want to see them uh, prioritise the clean up around the top end of the creek because yep. it doesn't make sense, you know, to actually clean halfway down the creek but not clean from the top where the mm. fire was <laughs> down. You know? and, and I believe, yeah. um, I believe it's still yeah. like I imagine on Cup Day that storm on Cup Day, for instance, mm. Uh, mm. The, the, the chemicals would just keep coming down with yeah, them, yeah. And there's been a little bit, uh, it's been a shift of uh, some of the larger deposits up the creek further down the creek, they haven't got to the uh residential areas yet but they they will eventually so mm. they need to clean it up but there's, there's also a long term concerns about the uh the backwash around the westgate bridge there with all the mangroves there mm. what effect that's going to have in the long term yeah and then on into the bay i imagine yeah yeah, mm. yeah well it goes into the yarra pretty close to the head to where yarra runs into the bay anyway but i mean yeah, all right. those yeah. rivers that come down from the mm. western suburbs uh end up whatever's in them ends up in the bay anyway so that's right yeah yeah, yeah i mean those they put originally. I think they put a million million dollars into the project to clean it up, and that's gone now. That was that was taken up with just pumping a lot of the water out of the out of the creek mm. itself to yeah. prevent it going into the bay. Uh, yeah. But uh, and the clean ups also t- taken a bit of that as well. So there are concerns about fun- further funding down the track as well. Yeah, someone said to me yesterday, in fact, it was Helen Vandenberg, who's a pretty regular commentator on this mm. program, uh, that if this had been in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, there'd be a lot more uh, activity taking place to fix it up. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really say that, but I will. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, a 
lot of people, local, a lot of local community people are complaining about that. The council set up a, uh, a committee for the remediation of the creek. It's, it's of course, it's council control the remediation, but Melbourne Water and EPA work under them. Yeah, and that's Melbourne on council there, is it not? Yeah, is it Melbourne, Melbourne council. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so they set up a committee with uh, reps from both agencies and a couple of friends groups, and that's that's going okay. But they they want to set up a larger group so they have more community consultation, and that's taken a while for them to set it up. Unfortunately, mm. it seems like a kind up. of issue where you kind of where you want really quick action rather than yeah, deliberation yeah, yeah. and consultation. Right. Mm. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been in meetings and there's no. There's no experts on actually remediation oh. sitting in the panel. I'm thinking, wow. what are they doing? You know? Oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Well, I asked about the day I had a look at it. I thought, well, even a million dollars, what do you do with a million? I mean, it's almost just waiting for nature to clean us up itself in many ways. I mean, it's yeah, hard to yeah. see any other way. But uh, I did mm. ring uh, Melbourne Water yesterday to mm. talk. I was given the name of the woman who's, le- who's the lead um, officer there in this uh, clean-up. Mm. Um, and... Um, the person said they'd give her my, my name and what I wanted. And as usual, no one's got back to me, but maybe they will in the end. But uh, mm. I was hoping to ask them where the million dollars is going and how they how yeah, you do clean yeah, it up, yeah. Yeah, a lot of it was spent on uh, just pumping the water. That's the cost of Melbourne water and just replacement of the booms and, you know, going around um, telling people what's happening, basically. Mm. So. And so I believe the, it... Sorry, okay. I was just going to ask, does the... Um, does the company that owned the warehouse have any responsibility to the cleanup? Oh, sure, sure. But I, it's been very quiet on that front. I it cleared itself bankrupt, I believe. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And yeah. uh, I just, I don't know where they're going to go from there. I'm not even sure if it was insured properly or not. And, mm. you know, all the ramifications is uh, when they did a, just after the initial spill, they did scrape around the, the factory site itself and, and the access to the creek. They scraped a lot of uh, debris, but that's sitting on the side at the moment under a big uh, tarpaulin, apparently. <laughs> wow. And that's just yeah. horribly responsible, isn't it? Yeah. For yeah. a company like that to take such massive risks with public know, health and safety and then uh, not it, have any facilities to help. Yeah, yeah. it brings into question what you're going to do with those the old factory sites around that top end of Stony Creek. Yeah. They're yeah. all old industrial... It's an old industrial site. The, the warehouses are uh, but not being used by the major companies anymore. It's, it's all... Like, uh, fly-by-night people using them, basically. Oh, right. So yeah. the, the chemicals were kind of a leftover from a previous yeah, use? Yeah, yeah. Right. Some guy was uh, cleaning out, had a business in there cleaning out diesel drums, but the, some of the drums weren't quite empty. Uh, there were a lot of old uh, foam uh, retardant stuff in there. Stuff oh. that they, <laughs> the fire brigade doesn't use anymore because of the concerns about the chemicals. Yeah. Mm. And, of course, the asbestos in the building itself. God. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> what a mix. What a cocktail of death, I could yeah. say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. And of course, a lot of this emanates from the fact that for so many years, decades, mm. perhaps even a century, um, the the western suburbs of Melbourne have been seen as where you dump your noxious trades and, and, yeah, and such yeah, things yeah, and dangerous yeah. trades. And yeah. uh, uh, this is this is part of the legacy of all that, I guess. It is. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those noxious industries did start out on, on the east side of Melbourne, but they soon got shifted over to the west mm. and that area well Stony Creek was had the reputation of being the dirtiest creek in the in Victoria basically mm. before we started cleaning up. Yeah. About to say so your group has done a lot of work in, in cleaning it up and getting it to where it was before the fire. Yeah, yeah, doing a lot of bus planning around the area and keeping you know, doing clean up days and mm. uh, 
monitoring the creek. Mm. Uh, the recovery plan's got to include some kind of uh, replanting of the sea, the grasses in the on the edge of the creek and some uh, native uh, riverine type plants. Mm. I mean, it's amazing work that you guys have been doing, and oh, and many other you know similar yeah, organisations yeah. and creeks around Melbourne yeah, yeah. for community members to take on that initiative and that responsibility for mm. environmental remediation is just wonderful. Mm. What what would the um, Friends of Stony Creek group like to see, like in an ideal world, Steve, like it to make to try to get this back on track to get Stony Creek healthy again? Oh, get healthy again. I'd like to see. Uh a major plantings along the creek. I like mm. to see more uh, type, type rock pools and rock barriers. That, that that gives actually more oxygen into the water. Mm. Uh, ideally, some wetlands which will hold up the water in that type of situation. Mm. I'd like to see them actually do a, a proper audit of all the industries up the top end, mm. yeah. and you know, pro- pro- proper te- protection in place. Mm. You know, back, what they call. Uh, Baffles, you know, those sort of bays that hold the water back for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that was the problem because that, that site was right on the creek. I mean, when I say right on the creek, it was right on the creek. And, yeah. and it was just mm. one big pipe coming out of the site. So, yeah, any water coming out there just went straight into the creek. It must be yeah. pretty devastating, Steve, after all those years of work. And one fire like this can just destroy it. And, and it's going to take so long to get back yeah, to where you were. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean... We've had little minor ones over the years, but you know, didn't have that great effect. But to have a major one like this, I thought we were past that, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's just back to square one, basically. I, I know it's going to recover. I know we're going to we're going to put the effort in. Melbourne uh, Water EPA are going to put the effort in. It will recover, but it instead of taking ten years, I'd like to see it take three or four. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's the source of the creek, by the way? Uh, basically uh, around. Uh, Sunshine area. It actually goes further up, but that that's diverted up. It goes right up to St Albans, but it's actually that part's diverted into Corey Creek. So the, right. the source is around under Sunshine shopping area. That the real estate's around there. So there's only a small section of the creek that is actually still not affected by the fire. That mm. will allow life to gradually come down eventually. Mm. <laughs> Well, they've got to, yeah, they've got to come back. I mean, I, I believe there were dead fish floating within a few days afterwards, and the state yeah. cleaned that up. But uh, yeah. you know, when I was down there, there was very little sign of life. There were only a very few birds in that sort of pond area, just where it yeah. goes into the Yarra. That's right. Um, but other than that, there was no bird life or no insect life or no life. No, no. I, yeah, three or four days after the fire, I remember I was down the golf course, and I could just see these these huge mature eels just sort of floating in the in the creek. You know, sort of. that are looking at the animal life, insect life, bird life and everything. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the EPA and Melbourne mm. Water. Like, who? what about on the animal side of things? Uh, well, EPA are doing monitoring on the chemical side. Melbourne yeah. Water are trying to get... Uh, well, they're trying to work with us to get a group of people down there to do regular testing to see what's in there. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, because 
this was the crazy thing about it. We actually, as I said, we did water testing, and we actually were going to water test that very day, <laughs> yeah. go down and water test, and we just couldn't go near the creek, you know, obviously. Uh, no, it was so toxic. I was working yeah. in Yarraville at the time, and there was just the whole sky was full of toxic black clouds. I know, I yeah. know. Sort of reminded me of Coot Island in a way, the big clouds yeah, come out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess you mentioned you thought it was up that sort of thing was over. Coot Island, I suppose you thought it was the last time that's going to happen in the western suburbs, but uh, yeah, it's happened yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve, if mm. people are listening uh, and mm-hmm. live in the area and want to help, what do you recommend? Uh, just support the French groups down here, you know. We need we need members. We need people actively involved. Uh, if you, the other level is also obviously uh, talk to your local councillor. Uh, if you see anything down the creek, report it to EPA. Uh, express any concerns you have through their websites to EPA, Melbourne Water. Uh, write to the local papers. You know, mm. <laughs> try to get the message out mm. basically, and uh, we're quite happy to do. Uh, get people involved with replanting and, you know, clean up, so that type of thing. Mm. Uh, we've got, as I said, we've got a monitoring thing going on. We, we want to get down there and actually start monitoring insect invertebrate life, so we'd like people to join the group and help us with that. Mm, so uh, great. And we'll teach them how to do it. Yeah. Sounds excellent. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right, Steve. Well, look, thanks for your time yeah. this morning and uh, and good luck with it all. The... Uh, and let's hope, I suppose there needs to be pressure on government because uh, mm. uh, like so many of these things, once the immediate furor dies down and the, it goes out of mm. the news, it mm. often gets forgotten, of course, that, uh, and it does need to be kept in people's minds that this is an ongoing campaign. Yeah, they need to realise that it's just not for this couple of months, but it's going to be an long, ongoing program for, for a couple of years at least. Mm. Clean up, and then probably remediation. What you know, replanting will probably take another couple more. So, yeah. Mm. yep, we got to get the uh, the word out there. So, so. All right, Steve. Well, yep. look, thanks for that, and uh, we'll keep our eye on it and keep uh, keep in touch and um, and keep up the good work. No worries. Thanks. Thanks okay. for uh, calling me. Yep. Thank right, you, yeah. Thanks Steve. a lot. Cheers. Okay, Steve Wilson there from Friends of Stony Creek. And we're going to talk, he mentioned Crookshank Park, and uh, we're going to go on and talk shortly to Michael Worth, who's a member of that group, Friends of Crookshank Park, which, of course, abuts the creek, and uh, see what they're doing about it as well. that music Meg do you know what it was well apparently that was Kev Carmody and a song called River Road and it doesn't sound like any Kev Carmody no, album I've ever no. heard any song by Kev I've ever appropriate River title though yeah we're River talking themed. about rivers exactly. and creeks and things I did that on purpose guys I know what I'm <laughs> very doing very good yeah. wonderful wonderful <laughs> uh, and uh, Michael Worth's on the line he's from Friends of Cookshank Park Michael just before we go on to specifics of there it's ironic I guess that only in the last couple of months the state government has announced forming a group for waterways of the west um, to um, to try to clean up all the rivers and creeks, etc., around the western suburbs of Melbourne. And in the middle of all that, this happened. That's true. It actually, it's a group they're actually reforming from many years ago. Um, it's something that lost its funding probably uh, nine or ten years ago, and they're going to be restarting it, thankfully. But um, I think it's something that should be considered for all the waterways in Melbourne, not just the west. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
Now, just down to Crookshank Park, just tell us where Crookshank Park is and, um, and what your group does and your reaction to the fire. OK, well, Crookshank Park, we're uh, upstream from uh, Steve's group. Uh, we basically run between Francis Street and Somerville Road in, in Yarraville. Uh, it's probably about six-plus hectares of land, and uh, our main job has been re- replanting the area because the area used to be dotted with uh, um, bluestone quarries in the old days, uh, which had since been used as landfill for many years and just been barren land for a long time. And then the last 20 or so years, uh, Friends of Cookshank Park have been actively working towards tree plantings and the like mm. and uh, working with Melbourne Water to uh, maintain and improve and enhance the creek. Yeah, wonderful, <laughs> and it's a very popular park, from what I understand. I don't, I have, I don't live that side of of Melbourne, but was working there and have friends there, and um, it's generally, uh, apart from this incident with the fire, it's usually has a lot of people in the park, right? And people take their their dogs and and yeah, and well, it certainly out. is. I think um, basically, I think it's the busiest park in Maribyrnong. Yeah, Maribyrnong, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for area um, that we have here, it's a very uh, popular dog walking park yeah. uh, and uh, certainly uh, since uh, the incident back on the 30th of August it's basically become a bit of a ghost park mm. uh, which is understandable um, because you know the, the water still you know well, we have a dog obviously walk our dog there but we never let him off the lead and he's a Labrador wow. uh, so we keep him out of the water for mm. obvious reasons and um, mm. just hope other people uh, do so as well you know it's safe to walk around the park, but just not safe to get down near the water, the creek area. And uh, it certainly is a lovely park. You could be in there and just feel like you're in the country. You know, it's great some areas. Yeah. Mm. When I was down there and had a look at the whole thing, there was also, um, I was shown, I didn't even realise they'd be in Stony Creek, but there were oyster shells and mussel shells. Now they were wow. empty because the, the creatures had died, unfortunately, in the whole thing, but they at low tide they were there in the mud. Um, so obviously there was a whole range of life around that creek before this fire occurred. Oh, certainly, um, and uh, like Steve was saying, it's basically pretty much annihilated. Um, mind you, I'm not missing the mosquitoes, but we are missing. And uh, bird life, it, it dropped off a lot, especially the, the uh, water bird life. Mm. Uh, you know, we had ducks in what we call the dog pond here as part of the, uh, the creek. Um, which um, they've disappeared and some said, someone said they found one dead in the creek. Um, and uh, the, But uh, the bird life, as far as in the trees go, that sort of seems to be OK, come back come back around um, to being what it was. But the frogs, apparently, a number of them survived because they buried themselves through the creek during the, uh, the winter time, or into the bank, sorry, during the winter time, and as they popped out in recent warm weather, it's been fine, but then, obviously, the uh, recent rains and washing more from downstream has probably not done them much good but uh, again like Steve we're involved with uh, Frog Watch and which you can you know, record with the uh, Melbourne Water on their site any frogs you see types you see photographs of them Bird Watch as well um, it's all things that we're involved with so as to give uh, the authorities more understanding of what's happening around the area but uh, also we're looking at uh, being involved with uh, council and establishing actual frog bogs as they call them so they're outside of the creek, so if this sort of thing happens before, there'll hopefully be frog populations within those areas that uh, won't be affected by any future, if there are any future um, damage to the creek through uh, pollutants. What is, what is that? Is that like little frog homes? 
I'm about to learn myself, yeah. but from what I understand, it's a bit like an area and they just sort of wet it and bog it up and, you know, that, so they have mm. a bit of a water area, they have a wet area that they can oh. be within and, you know, obviously there'll be grasses and things like that to protect them and that sort of thing. So it's a learning great. curve. It's also something because we, we have a, um, a junior park rangers group here which just started up in the last nine months or so with our group. And we get kids involved with the creek and with the park and all that sort of thing. And we do different activities. Uh, one of our members is the main instigator of that with her daughter, Zoe. And, um, you know, we get 30 kids to 20 to 30 kids to each uh, little meeting we have. And they go out in the park. But, of course, that stopped around the 30th of August. Yeah. Um, so we're keeping it going by going to other wet areas around the city of Maranon. So... We're still maintaining that because it's great to see the kids and them learning about the environment and the respect in the environment far more than what probably a lot of children did in past years. Yeah. Well, on on kids down there, the group a group called the, the Clare Court Children's Service, which is sort of schools and things, um, they apparently use the park extensively and are quite upset because now they don't want to let the, the kids anywhere near the water. That's correct. That's right. Yeah, it's Clare Court, which has you know, got a fantastic playground there, Mini the Dinosaur and that sort of thing, or Mimi, I should say. <laughs> um, and uh, they, as well as uh, Kingsville Primary, they back onto the park as well. Uh, we've got Wembley Avenue within a few hundred metres of the park and Wembley Avenue Primary School, I should say as well um, and they all utilise the park whether it be coming down and looking at things about the environment and or just using the park to walk through to go to school mm. or to kindergarten and things like that so mm. you know there's a high very high use of um, you know people uh, throughout the park um, all day you know so just one of those things but the activities uh, with the uh, kindergarten we, we've combined them a little bit with us as well with Clare Court uh, with the junior park rangers, and they're a great supporter of that as well. So, was it just um, the the mostly the creek that was affected after the fire at the factory, or was there effects on the park as well? No, look, it's it's basically the creek and yep. the banks. You know, yep. cause, uh, a lot of water came downstream. Mm. Um, you know, I guess the most unfortunate thing about it, because uh, as friends group and as Steve mentioned. Uh, we have been involved with the round table meetings that council organised with the EPA, Melbourne Water, uh, also Parks Victoria. Mm. Uh, they've been involved with them as well. Um, but uh, And various members of the council, uh, um, you know, different sections looking after the creek. Um, but I guess the, what we find is the most frustrating thing because we're on the creek. Oh, like we're 30, we live 30 metres from the creek. Mm. Uh, it's the closest point. But um, we were in the, around the park a lot and... Um, People keep asking us what's happening. They tell us what they've heard, which is generally misinformation. But this is happening because there's just not enough um, information coming from council. Right. Um, All all Melbourne Water or EPA, the whole whole box and dust? EPA, Melbourne Water did a couple of letterbox drops and things like that. Uh, They've got posters Mm. around a fair bit of the park in different areas, but they need upgrading from about four or five weeks ago. Um, It would be nice to see our councillors actually at the roundtable meetings or pushing something in mm. regards to this. Um, yeah. We've had one visitation from a councillor at our own little meeting of Friends of Crookshank Park, but aside from that, they've been non-existent other than the initial uh, community uh, meeting that was done at the very start of council where everybody was invited to. Um, we really haven't seen or heard anything of our local councillors, including Green members, you know, so that's mm. very disappointing because you know, they're put in there believing they're 
caring about the green or the creek and the waterways, the environment, but we really haven't seen anything much from anybody. And you said that there, there were some signs that went up. What, are, what were they, just um, warning signs for people yeah, about Yeah, warning pollution? signs, you know, uh, but they were from the council, EPA, Melbourne Water, yeah. um, just saying basically don't swim, don't go near the creek. Yeah. Um, the important thing is, especially with the EPA, report to them uh, everything you might smell or everything you might see of pollutants within the creek because every report gets registered and the more dot points you get for these sorts of things, the more action will be taken, the more funds will come into it. Mm. And especially if you have any, people have any medical issues, uh, please report that to the EPA um, because that will um, also help towards whatever happens in the future with mm. legal proceedings. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, it sounds like a lot of the responsibility for driving this process forward is kind of falling with community groups like yourself. A bit, but you know, it's, it's a learning curve for everyone because it's something that's never happened before. So mm. everybody's on a bit of a steep learning curve with this, mm. and decisions have been made. And you know, I was involved in the meeting where they discussed about looking after Friends of Crookshank Park area because that's the most highly populated area on the creek. Mm. Uh, plus, doing some remedial issues, uh, it, it, you know, works in the upstream section of the source of the fire. Uh, but then, and that was all working really, really well until eventually, of course, we had a pretty decent downpour uh, mm. about three weeks ago. Mm. And uh, straight away, you got the smell of the acetone again, and the mm. creek went a bit of a yucky colour again. Yeah. Um, and we're just in fear of the frogs, perhaps, what they are left dying, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, as I say, it's a learning curve. And I think, you know, uh, as Steve mentioned, just stop it from ever happening again. You know, yeah, the effects not... go on. I know um, the friend who took me who, know, who knew the area well beforehand, yeah, um, we pointed out that at the, in the Yarra, just, just where, just where they, they, they join, uh, at the pontoon there, um, there were sea grasses that have now disappeared completely, apparently. Mm. So, you know, the, it's affecting everything. Yeah, well, it has. And, um, you know, they're fortunately through photosynthesis and certain types of ways that uh, some of the mangroves live some may survive but others won't um and uh, the grasses are obviously mm. one of those that well won't. there's an oil slick or certainly a sludge mark right along the high tide area there's a, just a line of black where the high yeah. tide level is mm. along yeah. the creek yeah well, that's, it's, well it's the same here the only thing is it gets caught up in the grasses you know and the grass mm. that's along the banks and um you know the cleaning of this is very very difficult which you understand um they're trying different systems to be able to clean it up Mm. And, you know, they're, they're working diligently. It's not day, obviously, down here that there aren't people working around the mm. creek. Um, and I guess it's a matter of resources and things like that. And, you know, and certainly the million dollars the state government offered straight at the start. Well, you've, I've, from my understanding, you know, it's gone five or so more times over the expenditure of that already. Yeah. yeah. I suppose uh, the bottom line is preventing the sort of places that caused it in the first place from being there. And, uh, exactly. Mm. You know, yeah. um, you know, and there's, it's... That's something that shouldn't have been there. It was illegally stored there. Um, it was contents that weren't there a few days earlier, but then appeared and then blew up on that night. Um, and so even even the uh, groups like the EPA they go around monitoring these things. It doesn't take much for them just to get another truckload of this whatever it is into storage for whatever reason mm. um, behind their backs. Mm. So it's pretty tough. But you know, I, I guess our main concern is that uh, you know with. We're having to deal, well, not having to deal with the public. We're trying to inform the public as much as we can, but um, we just seem to be uh, hitting a brick wall with our own council. Although, can I just put a little bit of a plug in? Very briefly, because we're out of time, actually, okay, Michael. Well, not yeah. many people know about this because council haven't reported it very well, but this Sunday, 
the 18th between 11am and 2pm, councillors are having a, um, a, a community day where they're going to be letting you know everything's happening. Melbourne Water will be there, EPA, Parks, I think Parks Victoria will be there. Oh, and where will that be? And that'll be at McNish Reserve, which is the southern end of Crookshank Park near um, uh, Francis Street, Clare Court. And um, that there'll be questions and answers all being able to help there. You'll be able to see all the groups. You'll be able to see where everything is at the moment. All right, Mike, we've got to go. Good luck with that. But yeah. um, And thanks for your time this morning. We'll keep no in problem. touch as it develops and see what happens. Yeah. Well, I appreciate okay. you uh, getting on the airways and hopefully yeah. we get more action. OK, Thank thanks, you. Michael. Thank We're you, there Michael. from Thank Friends you. of Crookshank. Thank we've got to go because Joe's on Parliament House steps, ready to... Uh, <laughs> Ready to uh, fire up, I've no doubt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we'll finish with a song by Georgia State Line. It's called River. I remember in 